let's get on with it, with the Bible study. We'll look at Hebrews 11, if you could flick open your Bible too. just want to look at a little Bible study on faith, being faithful. All right, so um, most of us are aware of this first scripture here, and I'll just read it in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it, maybe the first one, just out of the Amplified. We're pretty familiar. This is the chapter of faith in Hebrews 11. We heard a bit about faith in the gifts, actually, today. But um, in verse 11, uh, verse 1 of us of chapter 11, sorry, we read this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll just read this other, a couple of other, ampl- uh, other translations, rather, one of them being the Amplified. But uh, we read this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that we've uh, are not seen. Now, faith is the assurance, in another translation, uh, the confirmation, the title deed. And I thought that's interesting. Like, for those of us that have bought a house before, uh, when you get the title, you own the home. And, uh, and that's what this is. Faith is the assurance. It's the title deed. It's sort of, it's that sure that once you have it, um, it's yours. Of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith is perceiving us, uh, faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith is really having a confidence or an anticipation of, uh, of things that we hope for that aren't yet revealed, but will, will become revealed through faith. That's really what we're talking about here. Verse 2 we read, For by it the elders obtained a good report, and by the elders we're talking about people in the Old Testament, that they obtain a good report by having faith. So um, I want to look at being faithful today, and I guess um, faithful is two words. It's faith and full, and it's being full of faith. And um, we live in a, in a world that's faithless at the moment, that there's, you know, they lack of faith. Um, there's also things like unfaithful, when people, uh, you know, break a promise, commit adultery and things like that, there's being unfaithful. But I really want to just look at being faithful and what that means. Let's go to an Old Testament uh, little story, if we could, in Second Kings. We'll perch here for most of the talk. Maybe just travel around a little bit afterwards. But um, if we just go over to Second Kings in chapter 4. So this is uh, this is about a widow here. We're probably familiar with the story, but we'll just go straight into it. <clears throat> so in verse one we read here: Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thou, that uh, thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take away him my two uh, to take a, uh, sorry to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. So just to sort of set the scene, I guess, what, what it, what's happened here. So there's this lady, and she's saying that my husband, which was a servant of Elisha, of Elijah, no, Elisha, sorry. Um, so he was, Elisha's servant is dead. She's explaining that to Elisha. And as a result of that, she couldn't pay her debts, and the creditor was coming to take her two sons. So um, back then there was no nimble, no fast and easy payments to get some money. And, um, and so it was pretty, pretty hectic. Like you paid with the people that you had. And, um, I guess it's hard to understand, but, uh, we, I won't turn to these ones, but we read in Leviticus 25 about, um, if you, uh, became a servant, if you, if you owed money and if, uh, if you're one of the Israelites, you, you, you came under the, you know, to be a servant of, of that family. And, um, I guess a, a bit of a, a modern day or one in the New Testament. We read in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks about the servant that owed the master 10,000 talents. If we remember that story. And we read in that story that he was uh, commanded him to be sold, him, his wife and his children. So you become a possession of the other person when you can't pay your debts. And so I guess we can't really, it's pretty hard to 
understand this sort of situation. I guess we don't, you know, if we if we run into trouble, there's always some way out that we can sort of, you know, you know, we got, you know, you might know someone, you got family or, or whatever situation. We're we're not really in a position where someone knocks on your door and says, you know, it's going to take take your kids because you can't pay your bills. Um, and so fear would have gripped the lady, and maybe fear that we can't really understand. And she probably, you know, she was already grieving, I'd imagine, and she lost her husband, and um, and now and now she looks like she's going to lose her kids as well. And uh, we read in verse two, and Elisha said unto her, "What shall I do for thee? And um, tell me what hast thou in thy house?" And she said, "Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil." And so Elisha. Has said to the, to the lady, well, what's in your house that's of any value? What can we sell that's in your home? And she comes up with a jar of oil. That was it. That's all she had. And, um, so I'd imagine she's pretty poor. You know, if we were in the same situation, we could start with our TV and probably then sell our couch and then maybe our dining suite and then the car and we can sort of maybe hopefully pull ourselves out of some debt, um, cause our homes are pretty filled with, you know, valuable items these days. Um, but this lady was down to a pot of oil, a jar of oil. That's all she had. And in verse three, we read. Then he said, "Go, go, borrow these vessels. Uh, go the sorry. Let's speak English today. All right. Then he said, "Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbours, em- even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full." So Elisha instructs this lady here that to go and borrow some empty jars from her neighbours, and to go into their house ha- and go back into a house once she's borrowed these empty jars, and to start filling up these empty jars with the oil that was in the one jar that she had. And um, for those that seen Mary Poppins, I'm assuming it's that sort of thing where you know how Mary Poppins' bag just keeps pulling stuff out. This is the sort of thing that that Elisha is sort of saying to her that you got this jar of oil, and you're going to get these other jars, and you're going to start filling them up. So we read in verse five. So, so she went. She 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 obeyed from him and shut the door uh, upon her and upon her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And um, I guess just for a minute, like we read here, so she went from him and I, you sort of think. Um, so this lady is a man of is a man of God. Her husband served Elisha, and I guess she would have seen some things over the years. And she just, I, I guess, just. Uh, on the topic of being faithful, she was obviously obedient to Elisha, but she, I was just thinking, you could imagine her thoughts that, um, she would have went out and just think, oh, if I can get a couple of jars off my neighbours, that, you know, that would be good, or, you know, should, she might have started dreaming a little bit, you know, as you do when you start building your faith and you get excited and you think, oh, maybe I'll grab six or seven jars or eight. You think, no, no, I'll get, maybe I'll just grab 12, 13 and just start, your mind starts to build this, you know, the possibilities and, and, and the faith just starts to grow. We read in verse 6 of the outcome, And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. She's got all these jars, and she just starts filling them up, one after the other. It's incredible. Verse 7, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and, the, and live thou and thy children of the rest. And so the end result of this lady's, this lady being faithful was she received provision, she was blessed, she was, there was miracles that took place, there was deliverance and there was salvation for her children. And, um, I guess just if we, um, think about the situation with this lady, it's no different 
to the way we approach the Lord. It's, it's, it's actually exactly, you know, the blueprint is the same. If we go back to verse 1 of the story, and we'll just look at it just once more. We read that the lady petitioned Elisha. So she's actually, she comes to Elisha and she says, you know, my husband served you, you know. And so isn't it the same? We, we, um, in a, in a, you know, obviously, uh, faith comes through adversary. Obviously, when, when we have things come up against us and life's not going so great, that's the time where faith starts to shine and that's where we need to be faithful. And, uh, it's exactly the same with us. This lady petitioned Elisha. That's what she did. And we petition the Lord, don't we? When we are in trouble, we seek the Lord out. We, we find him and we ask for help. That's what we do. And just like the lady did, I love this bit here. And she said, uh, and, thy, and thy servant, she's talking about her, her husband, did fear the Lord. And that's exactly what we do with the Lord. We tell the Lord that we fear him and that we fear his name. And we start telling the Lord things like, I'm a son of God or I'm a daughter of God. You filled me with the Holy Spirit on X, you know, this date. You've, you've done this for me, Lord. You've promised this for me in your word. And we start just sort of bring up all these things that God obviously knows, but we do that. We, we go to the Lord and we petition him and we start to tell him the things that he's done for us. And in verse two, we read that Elisha said unto her. And so Elisha listened to the lady. And guess what? God's exactly the same. He then listens to us. We come, we seek him out, we start petitioning him, and he, and he listens to us. And, um, the amazing part about this story is, um, God knew the situation way before it was going to happen. And, um, in, in this particular, this particular time, there was a famine in the land. And, um, so, it turns out that there would have been loads of empty jars for her to go and borrow because there was people would have had no food. There was a, very, there was a lack of food and a lack of oil and those sort of things. And so instead of going to her neighbours when it was a time of plenty and they would have said, oh, I might have a spare you know, jar out the back, it wasn't like that. It would have been, here's a, here's a shelf full of them, take them with you. And so God had prepped the situation. And um, I guess we don't really understand famine very well. Um, the closest we got was, you know, no meat on the shelves during COVID or whatever it was. And, um, but, you know, we, we got plenty, plenty of food, but this lady, the, the situation would have been so, her, the fear would have been gripping, you know, between losing a husband, the possibility of losing children in a time of famine. But God knew the situation and isn't it the same with us? We're at a point, we might be at a point of our walk in the Lord where we're suffering some, you know, tribulation or some trials, things aren't rolling the way we want it to go and it, and it seems pretty hard. But God has already, God knew that that point was going to come and he's already prepared things in times past. And just like this, this situation here, the famine was there and this lady had plenty to go and borrow. In verse three, and he said, go borrow the vessels. And, um, Elisha here, um, really just reveals to, to the lady what to do. And it's the same with us. We ask God and God reveals it to us. And uh, I guess it's the critical part of, of the story is that, when God does reveal, when we seek him out and, and petition him and he listens, that we do obey what he wants us to do and uh, we follow his directions. And so just taking a pause from the story, I was just thinking of, I could have, we could have turned to a you know, squillion different verses about the, the, the way the Lord wants us to change sometimes and, and directs us in our lives. But if I just look at a couple of examples, if uh, we'll go back there, back to Second Kings. But if we go to James 5, just flick over to there. <clears throat> This could be one way. This might not be your situation at the moment, but this could be one way. This one I can relate to. I had to 
follow these steps in times past. Most of us know these scriptures, but James 5 verse 15, it reads, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so sometimes God wants a change in our thought process, in our attitude, and if we've committed sin, you know, we, you know, when we come to the Lord doesn't mean we don't do anything wrong. That's far from the truth. We read that in First John. But uh, when we do, when we do, when things, you know, when we do things wrong, that we confess our faults, that we, you know, we accept the blame for, for what has happened. And uh, in that confession and accepting our fault, God can work. And then, you know, our thought process can change. Our attitude can change. With that sort of uh, thought in mind, we go back to the Old Testament in Psalm 139. Just going to turn to a couple of two or three more we could, just the little things that the Lord does with us to change our, our direction in our mind or in our walk in the Lord. I'll reread this one, Psalm 139, verse 23. So King David writing here, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So he's asking the Lord actually to test his integrity. That's what he's actually asking. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting to prove him, to, you know, to purify him. And that can be the same for us. Sometimes it's a matter of cutting out some evil in our life. That's something that's built up over time that we, we enjoy doing or whatever it is that's, um, that just needs to, to, to go. And, you know, we need to, to, to put it to the Lord that way that, you know, search me, God. And if there's, you know, if there's anything in there that needs to go that's not in right standing with you, let's cut it out. Let's deal with this wicked way. We know in the New Testament we read in Matthew where Jesus talks about, um, you know, uh, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out. Um, or if your right hand offend you, you know, cut it off. It's better to go into the kingdom of God, you know, without an eye or without a hand than not to go in at all. And so sometimes it's a matter of just getting rid of some things in our lives that have, have come through. Um, we'll keep flicking around. We'll go to the Philippians 2. Sorry, back to the New Testament. So Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read in verse 12 and 13 here. Now, I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified, but you can follow along for yourselves in the, um, in the King James Version. And the Amplified reads this. Therefore, my dear ones, as you've always obeyed, so know now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, Work out and cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and, and trembling. With a self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of God, of Christ. And so we need to look at our own, our own self and that's always the way with our walk in the Lord. That we, we look at ourselves and that's, that's the, you know, it's important as we, as we grow in the Lord that we, we look at ourselves, that we work in our own sphere and our own world and what we can improve with our walk in the Lord. Um, cause our walk is our personal relationship with God and, uh, that we, you know, as, as we read here in, in, in the Amplified, timidly shrinking for whatever might offend God. And we don't do it in our own strength. We read in verse 13 here, not in your own strength, for it is God who is in all the while effective, uh, effective, effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to do the work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. And so it's God that does it. We 
we can we can seek God to highlight the, the thing that uh, might need to be fixed, but God does the fixing, and that's the, the amazing thing about it. That uh, it's uh, God does everything for us. Really, we just need to be humble and faithful to Him. Um, maybe God reveals this. We'll go to Proverbs sixteen. Maybe one more just to finish this little section. So God can reveal a myriad of things. I've just picked out a handful of things that have applied to myself over the years. Um, Proverbs 16, God might reveal this, maybe verse 3 of Proverbs 16. <clears throat> Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Uh, verse 9, <clears throat> a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Maybe the Lord just says, continue to do what you're doing. You know, you're going through a hard time and things might not be falling into place for you, but God just says, keep doing what you're doing. That, uh, you know, we, you know, in verse, I like verse three, because we naturally think the opposite to this one, that you sort of have to get your head together to be able to do the right things, I guess, physically, where God's saying, no, 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 just walk, do the work of the Lord, you know, read your Bible, have prayer, go and help your brothers and sisters, help set up the hall, clean the toilets, do all that sort of stuff, and I'll sort your mind out. We'll, I'll, I'll establish your thoughts. You just continue to walk on with me. And so, I won't go back to second, um, Kings, but uh, the end of the story, as we read, that uh, that lady was provided for, and so just like us, when we petition the Lord and God hears us, and then He gives us some instruction and we follow it, the end result is He provides. The end result, and it's it's a result in in everyone's testimony when we get up here and we talk about what God's done for us. That the end result is we're provided for, we're blessed. There's miracles, there's deliverance, and there's salvation, and it's exactly like that 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 story there. Uh, why not? Alright, we'll go to Matthew 14, just for one other story of faith. We'll do a New Testament one. We'll just quickly skip through this one, but we're, again, another familiar story when uh, Peter walks on water. But uh, we'll just pick out a few verses, maybe just, we'll start in verse 22. So uh, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go to the other side, we read. And then in verse 23, the time was about 6 to 9 p.m., somewhere in that sort of area. In verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, so the wind was contrary. So Jesus had sent his disciples to go first. He got them to go on the ship, go to the other side, I'll meet you there later. Uh, the disciples are trying to go over there, and as, you know, as they're going, the, the sea starts to whip up and the waves, and, and it starts to get a bit, a bit sketchy. And it must have been pretty sketchy, because it says in the fourth watch, which is 3 a.m., so that was quite a while later. Um, they're obviously still in the sea and, and can't, and things aren't going for them. We read this. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the, the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? And they cried out for fear. And verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then Peter answers here and says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when, uh, when Jesus had come onto the ship, the wind ceased. And they were amazed and, and they worshipped the Lord here. And so, it's very much the beginning of the last story where there's a, a time of trouble and Jesus calls, uh, Peter calls out to Jesus who's on the water and, and Jesus says, come. And so he comes and 
I guess we could look at it one way. It could be a story of faith or being faithless with Peter. But I guess for me, he's been pretty faithful. Like, um, as we know, he's the only one that walked on the water. And I don't think I would have been putting up my hand to go out in the water. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that if you get off the kayak, you go to the bottom of the sea. You don't just start walking. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a well-known fact. It's part of physics. But, um, so Jesus had a lot of, uh, Jesus, Peter had faith. And he wanted to, to obey what Jesus had said. And sometimes, just like us in, in this story, we do follow the example and then we might stumble. There might be a little time where we just, you know, fall. But Jesus is saying, you know, look up, continue to seek me, look at my face and I will bring you through. The pattern is the same of being faithful through the scriptures. Um, we'll go two more verses. Go to Psalm 138 if we could. And then we'll just finish off in Corinthians. We'll read this in Psalm 138 verse 3. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me, and strengthenest me within my soul. Verse 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. And that's, it's incredible, isn't it? The Lord, as we're faithful to the Lord and we seek him out and we petition him and we tell him who we are and that we are sons and daughters of him and that uh, we, are, we are blessed people and we are righteous and God, you know, answers our prayer and we, we uh, listen to his, his direction that uh, the Lord will make perfect that which concerns us. And uh, I love verse 3, that we can cry out to the Lord and he strengthens us within our soul. It's funny sometimes that sometimes your situation doesn't change one little bit. You know, like you can have that, you can have a time where you're going through a rough time and you, you seek the Lord or you might get some good counsel from a brother or sister and your actual situation doesn't change one bit, but inside you're okay. There's that different, you know, you, you feel all right about the situation and you know God's got it under control. And so that, that's what that is, that God strengthens us within our soul, that things are going to be okay. All right, let's finish off in 1 Corinthians. Just one, one more verse here. I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified because it reads it heaps better. Unfortunately, just like the Amplified, sometimes it, it puts five words into 2,500 words, but you're just going to have to bear with me. It's, um, because it does have, a, does bring out a good point. Uh, all right, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. You can follow on in, in the Amplified if you want. Ah, sorry, in the King James. So the Amplified reads this, For no temptation, no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid, and laid hold on you that is not common to man. So that first part is just saying there's nothing that can happen that one, hasn't happened to someone else, and two, that can't overtake you. It says that is no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance, which is a hard one to take sometimes when you're actually in the trial. It's always, always easier to, to say when you've got the victory or, you know, or you're not going through a trial. But, um, sometimes when you're going through the trial, it's very hard to see the other side. But if we believe and we're faithful to these, the things that God has put here, we read that no temptation is beyond human resistance and that, uh, and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience, and such as man can bear. And I love this bit, but God is faithful. We're talking about being faithful today, but God's faithful, and that makes everything to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted. There's this incredible words here that God is faithful and he can be trusted, not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. God knows our, our, you know, our makeup, how much we can take, and uh, it's often more than we think. And uh, He can be trusted. 
But with the temptation, he will always provide a way out. He will always bring us through the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear it up under it patiently. And boy, does it have to be patiently sometimes when you're going through your trial that uh, there's, there's a lot of patience. But as we hold on to these things that God can be trusted, that he is faithful, that he will always bring us through a way of escape. And so we show the faith, we're faithful, and we, we do that by asking. That was the very first thing that uh, that lady did with Elisha, she asked. And as a, as a sort of what asking invokes is humility when we come to the Lord. That's what it does. We become humble. And then we start to understand who we are because we talk to the Lord and we tell him who we are and what he's made us. We then become thankful because God talks to us and shows us things. We obey his direction and we go from a point of striving about a situation to thriving because we do it God's way. Because as we just read here in 1 Corinthians 10, God's faithful, he'll bring us through, he can be trusted. And so in the end, just like that, that, uh, that lady, we'll see a life of blessings, miracles, provision, deliverance and salvation. And all the people said, Amen.